0: of a website or domain. Welcome to another episode of Not Too Deep. I'm your host, Grace Ann Helbig the First. I am excited about this episode. One, because Chelsea Handler is here. And two, because I didn't shit my actual pants during this interview because I was so nervous, excited, inspired, scared just every possible feeling all at the same time to experience this interview with her she's got a new book out called Life Will Be the Death Death of Me Life Will Be the Death of Me and it's A brand new kind of Chelsea. I think she's um, having an adult puberty right now, and it's so fun to talk to her as an adult to adult. I think I went through adult puberty maybe during this interview. Literally, I blacked out. So I really can't tell you what happened in what you're about to hear or watch right now. So enjoy this episode of Not Too Deep with Chelsea Handler many questions about Carl. Oh, please. I'm ready. Because I think people don't... How old is he actually? Carl is actually 70. Okay. Because I thought he was 99 and a half or 98 and a half. 98. Thank you for paying close
1: attention to Carl and his trajectory. (laughs) He's a very... I don't know what it is about rugged handsome. He's kind of like a Sean Connery. Yeah. Yeah. So I met him when I, I did a ski trip in Park City for a week. Okay in like a like a month ago and uh-huh. i just decided i wanted to check out park city cuz i want to get a ski house and i want to make sure where the right place is sure you know as one does as a normal and as yes you know a middle class woman does very relatable i'm sure <laughs> to all your listeners and and then uh i met him and he was like you know he made a joke about aging a year a day from being around me so we just decided it was his birthday <laughs> he's negging you already how we started at 90 we're not sure because <laughs> i just decided he was 90 cuz he has white hair and he just he's got that very Rugged, you know, he's like an old, he's like a sailor, yeah. He so was, he cursed at me and he was like, You shut up. And I was like, No, you shut the fuck up. He was like, You shut the fuck yeah, up. And the I was sexual like, oh. Tension could be
0: cut with a knife, yeah. It yeah. was
1: turned on big time, yeah,
0: But also, an older man that's capable like that, that seems like physically capable, is something about it is very attractive, yeah. I mean, it's the same reason why you like are attracted to your dentist at one point in your life, yeah, that you can take care of me in ways I can't do for myself right now,
1: right? I yeah. mean, obviously, no one's attracted to their dentist, but you, you know, you're. <laughs> (laughs) Doctor or your anesthesiologist or but in my case, any guy that skis better than me and is borderline (laughs) attractive, I want to have sex with. There you go. That's my thing. Have you you so you have skied when you were younger? Yeah. Okay. But on the East Coast. So it was kind of just Well we're both from New Jersey.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so I've only been skiing once in the Poconos when I was younger. Um, My dad had knee problems. And so he just taught us like from afar, just screamed at us on the bunny hill to be like, turn your skis in or out. And that was it. And then I went skiing with a guy I was dating in Maryland as an adult. And it was, there was no progression. There was no, (laughs) he was good. I was terrible. I hated being bad at something. And so I got mad and was just like, I'll be in the lodge. Because at that point i could drink in the lodge and it was a very different skiing
1: experience than uh, as yeah, a child that obviously takes you to a different level with skiing yeah. once you're able to consume alcohol
0: yeah isn't that the craziest part of it sports are so much more enjoyable when you can actually consume alcohol um one i'm so excited that you're here and taking time to like talk to us about this because this like you were saying right before we started feels like a brand new version of yourself
1: yeah, I mean, that sounds, you know, corny and annoying, but it's, it sounds stupid, but it's real. But it's real and it's true. And it's a cliche because it's a, for a reason because yeah. it happens to so many people at this age or whatever. But yeah, I would say this is a new version of myself. I did a lot of like, heavy kind of emotional lifting and trying to like figure out why I have such a short fuse, why I can't stick with anything for too long, why everybody annoys me. Mm -hmm. And, (laughs) and through that, you know, it's made me like a much calmer, more rational, not going a hundred miles an hour, like living my life and actually being a part of my life rather than being just like a spectator.
0: Well, presence, right? Like yeah. being able to be present in the moment rather than continuously thinking
1: about the next thing. The next thing. It's what any spiritual person thinks about, but yeah. you know, LA is a really tricky, gross place for all of that yep. because you hear the words gratitude and universe and consciousness and you just mm-hmm. want to stab yourself on the vagina sometimes. Yep. Like it's enough. <laughs> yeah. It's like, come on, you know, with the colonics and the meditation. And then Mm-mm. those things, unfortunately, all seem to get grouped together. Yeah. And like there, and, and so, you know, for instance, like I was listening, I was, doing—I was on the on a road trip uh, two years ago, and m- my friend and I, we put on, like, Super Soul Oprah, and she mm-hmm. had Brene Brown. And at the end, we listened to it, and then at the end of it, I'm like, okay, let's move on to something else. Like, <laughs> yeah. too much soul. <laughs> yeah. You know, like,
0: I want to talk like, about I've this. been to a Tony Robbins conference. I went in with skepticism. It was peaks and valleys of, like, wonderful moments, and I think I had walls up that maybe I should have kind of deconstructed a little bit more before I went into that weekend and left— Understanding that this works for some people and like doesn't necessarily affect other people the same way. But the idea that we're all going into this weekend, like wanting something, wanting to figure right. out something, wanting to realize where our kind of uh, figuring out like how we relate to people and why we relate to people, um, which I'm really excited about this book because I think that the biggest misconception is that you have to have it all figured out by 20 or 30 and like to be able to continuously figure out different phases of your life and like connect to that sort of um, understanding of yourself is like hugely important. And I think a lot of young women are like, I have to have
1: everything done by 30. Right. I have to have everything figured out by 30. I certainly felt that way in yeah. my 20s. I was like, as long as like, you know, we were talking about being in the moment, like in my 20s, all I wanted was my career to begin. As mm-hmm. soon as my career would begin, my life would begin. Yeah. This, everything else was just a way to get to where I was going. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're all guilty of. We want results. We want, and, and in your 20s, I think it's fine to feel like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's a reason why you kind of wake up in your 30s and 40s and throughout the rest of your life because you realize- oh, wait a second, like, this is the only chance I get at myself. (laughs) I'd rather pay more attention to it, you know? I got so many of the things that I've wanted already, like, the only responsible thing to do now is to figure out how to be a better person. Yeah, yeah, when you're
0: left with just yourself. Like, was there a moment in which you, or maybe a series of moments that made you decide, oh, I got to dig a little deeper, like, I have to kind of uncover and pull the, uh, like, curtain back a little bit more.
1: Yeah, I think just going through, you know, your dreams change all the time Mm -hmm. and what you're interested in changes all the time. So I think you get to a place where you're so excited at your opportunities and you're so grateful and you're so happy. And And then you take like anything else, if you're not, you know, uh, paying attention, you take it for granted. And then those things annoy you. Then the people that are like at at your office every day asking you a bunch of questions start to annoy you. You're not grateful anymore. And then in my personal fashion. I like to just, you know, go hard 110 miles an hour with everything. So I did my show. I did five books in six years. I did six tours while I was doing a show that was on four nights a week. I would thought I was better and stronger than mm-hmm. everybody. Yeah. Like everyone would be like, you're pushing yourself. You're pushing yourself. I'm like, no, no, I'm German. Like, I mean, and, Ju- <laughs> and, and Jewish, so big pussy. I'm a Jewish <laughs> German pussy. But no, I mean, I, I just thought, oh, I could do this. I, I'm not the person that needs to go to therapy. I'm yeah. too smart for therapy. Yeah,
0: that's my biggest. Uh, I, cause I also recently, and within the last like year, have been doing the whole mental health deep dive of the things that I've been avoiding because I've told myself I can figure this out behind the scenes because I'm very smart and very astute at like um, uh, judging character and also like understanding psychology and myself. Yeah, and it turns out I'm not. I'm not the best at no. it. And when you talk to someone else, that's kind of the better case scenario.
1: And uh, yeah, yeah, exactly for. For me, you know, I always, everyone, you know, knows me for saying the things that nobody mm-hmm. says or or being authentic and not having any filter. The problem is, is I was being honest with everybody but myself. Oh, that's interesting. Just telling the world the truth, but not ever dealing with my own injuries yeah. and what happened to me as a child. And, you know, my brother dying at nine years old and what that does to your brain and yeah. what it does to your like strength. Like the re- reason I feel like I have to be so tough all the time. You protect yourself. You so protect your emotions. those patterns of behavior you're like to get somebody who you're paying that mm-hmm. tells you like, mm-hmm. hey, you are lacking in empathy. You're lacking in this like you you have no vulnerability, zero and and associating vulnerability with being a weakling. like, for sure. Which girl- I think is
0: a common misconception yeah. for everyone, especially women. We're taught to be like dainty and meek and demure and all of that when being um, passionate and confident seems like it's brash. Yeah. Yeah. And it feels like the demure part of you, the sensitive part of you, being sensitive is weakness. Mm -hmm. And that is the biggest misconception in my like emotional book that I've learned as an adult wow yeah well because you said in I listened like I said to the Dax interview that you did and it was so great and you said that for years you never cried in front of anyone you cried behind closed doors and I had the same situation where it's like I don't want to seem weak I want to seem strong I want to seem confident I want to seem like I'm capable of like achieving and doing certain things and to have Feelings means that you have, you're human yeah. and you have holes that can be punctured by other people. And so it's, you build up this resistance. And I think there's way more strength in like connecting to that vulnerability than trying yeah. to pretend it doesn't exist.
1: And it's so much like, you know, when you think about like when I would hear terms about therapy or about like mm-hmm. getting serious or meditation, even, I was yeah. like, oh, fucking, you know, stab me again in the vagina. <laughs> because like I couldn't get it. I couldn't get it. I yeah. couldn't get it. And my doctor was like, just commit to three months i'm like three months is ridiculous i'm not three months of working with with meditating every morning like doing headspace that app i use oh yeah that man's voice is so calming yeah adam i think his name is yeah yeah or andrew i don't know something with an a yeah um, and, you know, committing to three months and it's like this idea, I'm like three months, that's like a pregnancy to me. Like what? <laughs> yeah. I don't have three, I could be dead in three months. Yeah. And like the idea that my whole life is built on impulse mm-hmm. and impulsiveness. Like, y- so then I did, I was like, okay, I've now he goes, You've even more reason to do it. If you can't commit to something for three months, I'm yeah. like, I can't commit to anything for any amount of time. And, uh, and I did it for three months, and I can't even. I'm, it's it's indescribable how much it's in fact. It, it's not indescribable. It's not that amazing, but it's. But for you, it's impacted it's, my life in such a great way in terms yeah. of patience, in terms of taking my time and not running through my day every day, no and matter what.
0: Connecting to your breath, which is such a basic principle. You think you already understand that, but there's so many moments when I'm in auditions or nervous places that I'm like, just remember to breathe. And that simple thing is so effective for calming and grounding myself.
1: Um, so true. It's so true. It's like when you get riled up, you're like just breathe. like I and you say realize you're myself, not breathing. Yeah, like five times a day, I'm like, okay. And it's also to be present. Like mm-hmm. if you're taking one big deep breath, you're paying attention to what you're where you are and being present. Yeah, and that's helpful to me too. And all these tools that all of a sudden you find, you know, like I'm 44 and I'm like, oh fuck, did I miss all this? <laughs> like this is happening now. Yeah. So that part of me is like, but you know, that's also judgy. Like I don't need to sure. judge myself. I'm here now. I might as well just enjoy the party. You yeah, know what I exactly. Mean? The did you go on a meditation retreat? I try not to do that. No, okay. I've been on like I went to a conference um, where I spoke with my psychiatrist because my book is all about me and my psychiatrist, basically, mm-hmm. and uncovering my childhood and all that stuff. So I went to uh, a conference where I was on a panel, but I didn't. I'm not there yet. I'm yeah, not in retreat mode yet. How I get? No, my brother, <laughs> uh, my younger brother, just turned thirty
0: last year, and he's also gotten into meditation for anxiety and depression and that sort of thing. That's been like the main source of. Um, of like self-care for him and he decided for his 30th birthday he was going on a silent meditative retreat for mm-hmm. 10 days and he's like the funniest person in the world to me and he came back and I was like how was it like thinking I'm going to talk to a completely different person he's like eh, it's fine I got <laughs> yeah. really bored like day four and so I just kind of stuck it out but like didn't really have any major epiphanies or anything wow. and i respected that too that it's like you don't have to like necessarily create these like big moments for yourself to try and like push yourself into some epiphany that might not happen it might happen like literally the next day when he wakes up in his apartment in boston and all of a sudden like a small bird triggers something that like opens a door for him and i like love that so much more than him coming back as this like elizabeth yeah. gilbert eat pray yeah. love moment and
1: i think it's also different you know like that's what my my uh My shrink was saying like, you know, you don't necessarily, it's about habituating yourself. Like you do the meditation every morning. Mm -hmm. I do 15 minutes. Like, and he goes, just keep doing it. Don't wait for your aha moment. Just keep yeah. doing it. It doesn't matter if you're connected or if you're thinking about something else, just as lo- habitu- habituate yourself. Yeah. And to me, I, that clicked for some reason because I I, I always, you know, if I want to lose five pounds, it has to come off tomorrow. I don't have a mm. week. I don't have time like a normal person has yeah. time. And why is everything at a 10? Like, no, actually things go well, better through life if you take, you know, your time. So for me, it's all about just shutting the fuck up and yeah. see- slowing down. (laughs) Yeah. And so now that I'm starting to like dip my water and my feet into the, I don't know what metaphor or simile I was about to use, but um, now that I'm getting into it, I'm like, oh, I know that there's going to be so much more that I'm about to learn.
0: Yeah. I mean, it is like, like you said, like exercise that you start conditioning yourself that all of a sudden endorphins become something you crave. Like the meditation, the like patience, the silent me time becomes something that your body needs every day. Was there—so this book is all about your psychiatrist and you kind of delving into, like, the, the whole history of your life. What was the uh, conversation with your psychiatrist to present this idea to him? It's him? <laughs> yeah,
1: him? Yeah, it's him. Yeah. Uh, I can't imagine
0: that pitch meeting. like everything we've been working on. I
1: said to uh, him, you know, uh, yeah, that's great. That's really funny, actually. I didn't think about it. I said to him— uh, I had interviewed him on my last TV show, my Netflix show. And yeah. I, and he was an- Oh, so ch- that's the that's the psychiatrist that's in the Netflix show. Yeah. He okay. was like, I interviewed him about brain, adolescent development, how much damage mm-hmm. you can do with drugs and what ages just yeah. to make sure I was in the clear. <laughs> that's a good vetting process. I think yeah. anyone going to any psychiatrist, regardless of having a Netflix
0: <laughs> show, should vet them the exact same way.
1: <laughs> and so- And he just talked—and I I just thought, oh, I talk to him when I'm ready, if I ever want to talk to someone. I mean, you know, and— So you weren't—this is someone that the producers, like, found for the show that you hadn't been already in a
0: relationship with uh, in— Okay,
1: got it. So then after Trump— was elected, Mm -hmm. I had a really, really difficult time with that. And I had just outrage. And it wasn't just that I was depressed or sad or crazed. It was that I couldn't control, like, it's all I could think about. And it was obsessive. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was like, oh God, I gotta get, I gotta do something. What is going on? I couldn't work. I couldn't do anything. So I went and started talking to him. And for the first three sessions, it was just me bitching about Donald Trump and Ivanka Trump (laughs) and their veneers and how gross they all are. And then, and then, I real, you know, once I started to kind of test the waters with him, which was clearly in retrospect what I was doing. Yeah. I, You're like speed dating him. Yeah. I was yeah. like, are you smarter than me? Are you mm-hmm. going to be able to manipulate? Like, what can I do here? And I was like, I don't want to talk about my past or my childhood. I just need to be a better person. How can I like calm down and da, da, then but you said that you didn't want to talk about your past. Yeah. I said, I'm like, my brother died. My mother died. Blah, 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 blah. And I've
0: dealt with it. Don't worry about yeah, it. I was like, no it. problem here. Nothing it. to see here, buddy. <laughs>
1: and then he was like, uh-huh. And he never pushed me. He just was like, let me just spin out in front of him like a good doctor. Yeah.
0: The ones that stay silent and they're so comfortable with silence and that you have to fill the silence. And me. As an interviewer, your biggest muscle is filling silence.
1: Totally. And and making a joke and not letting anything get too Mm -hmm. depressing or sad. So it was like, it was basically like, Unwrapping everything that I've made a living doing, and wow. the way I've been operating in my personal life, also for the last forty years or however long—I don't know, thirty years—I guess. So he, uh, and then finally, what we we when we started to get real and talk about my my brother dying and that event in my life, it 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 became obvious that what Donald Trump represented to me was the world becoming unbalanced. Oh, something and, you couldn't control. And what, and it triggered my, you know, when my brother died, my world became undone. Yeah. And that was the only two touchstones in my life where I had felt that feeling of <gasps> everybody's falling around on the wayside and I'm going to have to step up and just like muscle through this. Wow. Everyone's going to c- crumble. My dad, yeah. when my brother died, my dad disappeared forever. He mm-hmm. could never recover. He was not the same. So I went from being like the center of my family's attention. I was the youngest of six kids. I was yeah. cute, blonde, and like had a totally precocious personality. Yeah. To everyone retreating and going into their own corners of grief. And I was like, whoa. And I had to, like, you know, get it together. I never cried again. I was strong. I was, like, in charge. And I became this kind of fixer of Mm -hmm. everybody else's problems but my own. Wow. And so taking that through my entire life and through my adulthood and pushing through relationships and being – always pushing men away and being all about single and fierce. I'm a single girl and I don't need a man. It's like – it was all about men. Lie, they when you know they don't protect you. My yeah. father didn't protect me, and my brother didn't protect me. Mm-hmm. So men are the enemy, yeah. <laughs> and I'll do this alone.
0: Yeah, no, that's insane. But that's such an important thing to recognize is like where your defense mechanisms come from and and why. Um, the one thing I did take away from the Tony Robbins conference that has stuck with me forever that like, I ask a lot of friends whenever we get into deep conversations is he approaches people and he says, who did you want love from your mother, or your father growing up? And usually everyone's first answer is the person that they think didn't give them love when really, if you think about it, it's the other person, the other, uh, you know, parental figure that you don't realize is the actual person that you wanted love from, the actual person you wanted protection from. Because I used, my parents are divorced. And so I used to say like, oh yeah, I always wanted it from my dad because he wasn't there. But then I realized as an adult, like, oh no, I actually wanted it from my mom who was always very there and emotionally, like, very loving, but like not... F- always present all the time. And so realizing that like shifted the whole way that I looked at the way I operate with like female friendships and like uh, as an adult in the business industry and like wanting, because my mom was very, and is very like sweet and um, shy and reserved and like, doesn't really leave South Jersey very often. Like I'm going to go and do everything that she didn't do when I was younger. And so it's very interesting how that like one, Kind of click moment all of a sudden opens up this brave yeah. new world
1: and then uh, ever you know everything in your head you're like oh oh shit. okay and then it's like this vomit of like yes.
0: <laughs> connections of everything um so did you when when you wrote this did you send it to your psychiatrist to read oh sorry first? we
1: never i never no, ever no. answered that question we went on tangents all good okay so uh, so yes, I started writing it and I had just, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't really doing anything, but like trying to campaign for people and blah, blah, blah. And I was going to him and I started writing cause I didn't want to write. I wrote five books, just banged them all out. And I felt like my integrity was gone by the end of it. Like really? I just kind of. I just kept getting so much money and I was delivering for a paycheck mm-hmm. instead of writing something because it came out of me. Yeah. So this is the first book I mean in 5 or 6 years cuz I said I'm not going to write another book until I actually have something to say. Yeah. So I brought I said I I pitched the I mean he's kind of a well-known guy so that okay. helps because he's kind of I mean, you uh, met him through your TV show. He's already show, exploited yeah. himself, so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you weren't going to be the one that forced him to do that. I was <laughs> like, hey, what would you would you be cool if I, I go, I'm totally cool changing your name in this book, but yeah. I really like to tell the truth. And, you know, I've made a career of telling the truth. Now I feel like I have something that's more, like, important. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not just funny and stupid, but, like, real yeah. and important. And so if I'm going to oh, make a career of oversharing, why not overshare? It's something that can help people. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, I sh- so showed him a couple chapters and he was like, I love it. This is amazing. I can't believe you want to talk about this and that you're going to reveal all this stuff. And wow. I was like, yeah, well, that's what I do. <laughs> yeah, sorry. So I'm, let's I'm pretty do it. used to this. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, so yeah, so
0: he's cool with it. That's good. Is he, you're doing a 20 city tour for the book. By yes. the time this podcast airs, the book will have been out. It comes out April 9th and people can pre-order, but they can also right now buy it. Um, is he coming on tour with you at all? Oh, no, no. I would love that. Oh, God, that would be funny. <laughs> Who knows? I
1: still have to do, I have to fill two shows. I have different guests in each city okay. um, interviewing me. People can get tickets to livenation.com, and each ticket does come with a book. Oh, great. So, uh, yeah, we're going to places like Clearwater, Miami, you Perfect. know, all the hot spots, Dallas, mm-hmm. Austin, Houston. But... He is not on tour with me. I just, I don't, you know, that's, I want the the night to be fun. And, you know, I'm, so I'm having different friends and different just people all across the country. And I'm really excited to go on a tour where I'm this normal and grounded. And you get, so the premise is that you're sitting down
0: being interviewed by a different guest in every city. Yes. How does that feel for someone that's made a living off of interviewing other people? Do you have a hard time feeling like this? Like you're the one being talked to
1: and asked questions? No, I'm uh, I'm fine being interviewed. I prefer it. It's easy for me. I (laughs) mean, I I, it's that's easier for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get that.
0: That's uh, that's kind of how I vetted my therapist. Was like, how much does she interview me versus me interviewing her in this situation right now? Because I tend to uh, err on the side of asking her more questions. Too many questions. Why do you think
1: you do that? Why do people like? What is the trait that makes you interested in your your therapist's personal life?
0: Um, well, I don't get too into her personal life. I try to keep it light enough. That's like kind of triggers her to ask me more questions. I think I'm just used to, you know, you work that muscle so much that all of a sudden you're like, when you're in conversation with people, you want to get to know them. So you use questions as a means to get to know them, um, and create like common ground or some sort of like relatability between the two people. Um, so that's kind of my go-to constantly, which, you know, works well for, Thank having you, a podcast. Thank you
1: for explaining to me what a conversation <laughs> is.
0: <laughs> it's a two-way street. Um, okay, we're gonna take a really quick break. And when we get back, we have more questions, and then we have a bunch of internet questions, which are like extremely thoughtful and very sweet, so I'm very excited oh. to get into them. So we'll be right back with more not too deep.
1: Not, 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 not too deep.
0: This episode of Not Too Deep is brought to you by Drop. It's a free app that gives out cash rewards for the shopping you do every single day. Link your debit and credit cards when you sign up. Select the stores you shop with the most and earn points each time you spend there. Redeem points for gift cards to places like Amazon, Sephora, Lululemon, and many more. With Drop, you can earn and redeem from brands that are entirely relevant to you and your preferences. You're able to earn across a number of brands, so you can accu- You can accu- accumulate, is the way to say that word. Accumulate points quickly, especially since the brands you're earning points from are the ones you spend with every day. It's easy to link your cards and then earn points whenever you spend. The app works in the background to recognize your transactions and reward you for those purchases every time. And for a limited time, you can head to the App Store or Google Play and sign up for Drop using my code GRACE, G-R-A-C-E, and you'll receive a $10 Starbucks Gift card right away. Make sure you link a debit or credit card to the app when you sign up to redeem your reward.
1: Not, not too deep.
0: Support for today's show comes from Cocotopia. After a long day, it's nice to unwind and enjoy some me time. And what better way to do that than with a delicious dark chocolate truffle from Cocotopia? Now you can indulge in delicious chocolate without the sacrifice of calories because the dark chocolate truffle is only 40 calories. You heard me, 40 calories, which is 45% fewer calories than lint, Ooh, drag them. Plus, it has less fat and less sugar, too. It's the perfect treat after a meal, during a girls' weekend gathering, or even paired with a glass of wine. Ready to treat yourself? Visit Cocotopia.com and enter promo code GRACE at checkout to get 50% off your first order. Make sure you type the code in all caps. That's Cocotopia, dot com and enter code GRACE, G-R-A-C-E in all caps at checkout and get 50% off your first order, Indulge Without the Guilt. We're back. How long, you said this book was the most fulfilling thing for you to write versus the other books. Um, What has been your experience? Because uh, there's so many questions about like the transition from doing, you know, pop culture TV to wanting to actually like make a impact in the world in like a more substantial way, you know? what, what, what's that journey been like for you? I hate the word journey, but what's I that? do too. I
1: hate that fucking
0: word. Why? Yeah. It's
1: because of The Bachelor that we hate it. Yeah. And it's another yeah. word like gratitude <laughs> and universe and journey. I have to see think myself it. falling in love with them. Ugh, we yeah. have to think of a new word for journey. I don't
0: know what the like trip, synonym is. Trip
1: or trajectory. I don't know. I got to find something. What's your
0: experience in that time period like? <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, from show to show to show? Yeah. Well, I just, again, get really, you know, I burn out. I, You're a workaholic. Yeah, I work a lot, and then I get, I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. It's like I learn how to do something, and then I'm bored with it. Yeah. So then I want to reinvent whatever I'm doing. And I think, uh, you know, Chelsea, it was a great experience. It was so much fun. It yeah. was like being in a fraternity house. Yeah. Like a good one. Um <laughs> As far as I know. (laughs) Um, They're few and far between. But we just had a fun time and we were a bunch of big kids being silly. And eventually I just was like, all right, I'm done with this. This Mm -hmm. is old. I was on E. I didn't
0: really give a shit. But I think that's also like admirable to know when you're done with something. Because I think a lot of people stay with the fear that they don't know what the alternative is. Like (laughs) the fear of the unknown of leaving something that is consistent and safe and versus trying something else that they don't know if it'll work um, is hard for a lot of people.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, it's. You know, it it wasn't hard at that time because I was just so over it. Yeah, I just was like, it was eight years or something like that. I was like, it's enough. I don't want to be doing the same thing every Mm -hmm. eight years. I wanted to change, so I did that. Then I kind of like thought I was going to travel. I did. I went for like a, a year away. I went to another country, got a house, started a thing there, so that I have like a retirement place. That's great in Spain. So that was fun. Spain? Why Spain? Just because it's another country, you know, I don't know. <laughs> just spun a globe I and went, to, went to, just, I just fell in love with this place that we were visiting and oh, I was like, cool. oh my God, we got to get a house. And then I don't know who we are. It's just me. <laughs> but um, so then I did. So I have this beautiful house in Spain that I don't spend any time at that I always look to as like, like right. another thing, looking for the future, like yeah. the future's now, I got to yeah. go. But uh, I did that. And then, oh, and then I started with Netflix and mm-hmm. I wanted to do documentaries because I yeah. was like. I needed to do something outside of my comfort zone. And that was really, really gratifying. And I loved it. And then I did my show there for two years. And I just was not that into being on a date. like, the, yeah. it wasn't a daily show. It we, it was, it, well, it was Netflix's first show. So it went from, I think it was three episodes a week. And then we reduced it to one episode a week because of the viewing patterns. And, you know, it was just all, it was such a learning experience, mm-hmm. but it was like, Okay, after the election, I was like, we need to get focused. Yeah. I need to be focused. And I kind of lost my mind a bit. And I just asked Netflix if I could go back to doing the documentaries. And so I just filmed one on white privilege. Oh, great. And uh, Yeah,
0: I just watched the racism one that you did oh, in like, yeah. 2016, which is just, I think you have a great style of interview with people. Where Thank you. You are genuinely curious for good or bad bad reasons about what people's like uh, intentions are, which I think is, as a comedian, it's probably pretty easy to insert your opinions on certain things and to hold back and allow someone to talk and just let them explain themselves without a full reaction, I'm sure was like uh, hard to do at times.
1: It's a great exercise, though, because, you know, we become comedians because we want to be on stage with a microphone where no one else is allowed to talk.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: And like, think about it, you know, like when I think about that, it's like that's the last place I need to be. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Is on a stage with a microphone and no one else is allowed to speak. Yeah. Yeah. and and then, so you just did one on White Privilege. Yeah, I did one on White Privilege. So I'm going to do, be promoting my book, doing my book tour. And then I am going to probably the documentary will come out right at, uh, at the end of summer or in the fall. And then we'll be, I'll promote that. That's super cool. Yeah. And, you know, that's pretty much it. And just We're, trying to become a great skier. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Well, I think you do have this uh,
0: wonderful balance of work and play, which I admire very much. It's like, and Mamrie and I, you know, really kind of, um, that's a big philosophy for us. We always say... When we're in long shoot days, we kind of chant our mantras, uh, hot showers, cold martinis at the end of the day. Yeah. That's what we like cross our fingers for and like reward ourselves like we're dogs that are getting treats at the end of the day. That's how we operate. Um, And I think that that's a really great thing to show like, yeah, this is the hobbies I like. This is how I spend my free time. This is how I like clear my mind and then get back into working. Um, Where did you guys travel for the documentary?
1: We went to Georgia because it was during the right before the midterm. so we went down there to talk about the you know Black voters matter and mm-hmm. all the voting suppression. Then we went to Mississippi to the lynching museum. Oh wow! We interviewed a lot of really fascinating people. My ex boyfriend from high school is black, and we uh, found him. I hadn't seen him since I graduated I heard this, from high school. Yeah, I heard
0: this on the Dax podcast. Oh that yeah, you, yeah, right. I talked that about this that. This is also something I don't know if I could do, but
1: you like to challenge yourself to experience things firsthand on camera i i'm able to do be- things on camera yes that i can't that i would never do in real life <laughs> really yes. that to me i
0: can't relate to i un- i fundamentally understand like that that works for you but i cannot relate to that as a human i think i would be too paralyzed
1: by um the potential bad that could happen. It's so funny because I think of the camera. A I like to share like with sure. with people. Like I like to show my experience so that like when I did ayahuasca on one of my documentaries yeah. for Netflix, like I've never had more people ask me about, oh my God. People are so fascinated with that subject matter. And I don't have a problem with doing any drugs. So I was like, great, mm-hmm. let me do it. And yeah. you know what it, it, it resonated with people and you know, it got people talking about it and and doing it. Um it also demystifies it a little bit. Which I think is what
0: creates like uh, negative connotations for people is that they have, they don't know. They've never seen it happen. So being able to watch someone experience it firsthand, like actually quantifies like the good or bad of it for them.
1: Right. Yeah, I think so. And I also think, you know, like, uh, there's like safety in a camera. I feel like oh, yeah. like <laughs> nothing bad that bad can happen because everything's being recorded. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but I understand
0: that the camera is your but safe that's space. That's how I
1: think. I'm like, oh, okay. If this is all documented, I've yeah. got all the right people around me. Nothing no, too bad can happen. I'm protected. Yes. Oh, that's so interesting. Is
0: there a topic or um, a show idea that you haven't explored yet? That's kind of something that in the future is interesting.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, this is about white privilege, this documentary. It's at my, my own specifically. And it's just a one-off. This is a full-length feature documentary. Yeah. Yeah, so it's just one. Mm-hmm. To grab a marker here, see yeah. where I'm going to sign. <laughs> and uh, And so... I'm going to do that. Uh, no, what I'm going to do after that, yes, I want to do more Chelsea Does. I want to yeah. do more chel- like series like that. Like things that are just like, you know, get try and get really good at a sport, you know? Yeah. Document those kinds of shows and have fun. I want everything to be experiential, and I love to travel. So mm-hmm. when I can combine those two things and get paid, then that's uh, what I'll be that's doing. That's the dream. That's a, that's how Mamrie and I started the travel show that we had that was short-lived. It was just we wanted to get paid to
0: travel together since we did it so right? much anyway. Yeah. And how do we make this an experience? journey for young people that are interested in travel to places that they might have never been before um is there a topic for chelsea does that hasn't been explored yet uh sorry to make you repeat the same question no no I no, no, an no no, no. Sorry, well only right. because i there's well one because ten thousand of our twitter questions that we've gotten asked are about is there going to be more chelsea does because oh, people yes, yes really aligned with it so much
1: I think everything. I mean, for everything from like being a doula to, mm-hmm. you know, trying to learn karate, just ridiculous <laughs> things that are outside of my comfort zone, you know, learning how to windsurf. Like my friend has this kite surfing camp and he's like, why don't we just film you trying to learn how to kite surf for a week? And we could sell that as a special. I'm like, don't joke around because we will. Like I will do that. Um, but like a series, I'm going to, I think the next TV series I do will be adventurous and it will be mm. challenging and it will be like me going to, you know, wherever to, you know, Japan and skiing with pros or, or yeah. doing, you know, something like that I don't know how to do.
0: Is there anything that you draw the line at? Uh, that's like, I'll never do that. Like, I won't swim with sharks. I mean, oh. that's a thing that is very, very terrifying to me. I have that for
1: snakes. For snakes, yes. Yeah, sharks. I I've like swam with again. sharks, but yep. or swam or swum. I definitely did not swam with sharks. But <laughs> uh, Yeah, snakes are a real. I have, I can't get past no. it. No, 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 no. They don't have legs, but they move so fast, and I don't understand it. And they're tricky. and they're now swimming. So that's also another reason yep. to stay out of the fucking water. <laughs> yeah, they've taken
0: on all different terrains, and they got to choose a lane. And I would just like to know exactly. <laughs> I didn't know you what had them. a baby uh yeah yeah what a um, cutie pie yeah she's also it is uh really star for attention um they oh okay a lot of people want to know this too Um, people that are new or curious because you did ayahuasca on the show, but people that are new or curious to trying marijuana for the first time. Cause there's a lot of, I think, because it's being legalized in different areas, a lot of young people are like curious. And for myself, I didn't start smoking until like way later in life because I was always so paranoid that it would make me paranoid, which is what it did when I first (laughs) started smoking. And so there's a lot of kids that are just like, I don't know what to do with this. Do you have any advice? Yes. for Yes. First
1: of all, there's uh, I'm coming out with my own line of weed in the summer. Are you really? Yes. And I partnered with NorCal, and we are creating a line, but uh, to reintroduce people to the cannabis space because yeah. now, but you don't have to wait for my line to come out because at any of these stores now that mm-hmm. are legalized in the states that have you know that you're able to, there are so many educational components. It's not about taking a cookie like it was ten years ago right. and being blottoed face down in your bathroom. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's it's about taking the edge off. It's about just like making an experience a little bit more up or, Mm -hmm. you know, a little bit more sparkly. It's not about being out of your mind. I mean, there's weed for that too, but with micro dosing, the 2.5 milligrams, the five milligrams, like you're safe with that amount of weed in your system. So when you're going to reintroduce yourself, talk to the people at the store and find, like tell them you're a beginner. They want you in the industry. They're going to make sure you're safe. And so my line is going to be about women and empowering and emboldening women to to embrace weed the way guys do guys don't just get to have it we get to have it oh that's so cool how long has this been in the works for about six months. Oh wow! Yeah, I've been developing and p- p- getting the flavors and the vape. I mean, I've been a high for the last like year and a half with because of weed. Yeah, because I did such a deep dive to see how it affects you in the morning to see because mm-hmm. some people have to deal with anxiety. For me, it was sleeping. I didn't want to take sleeping pills anymore. No,
0: I'm yeah, I'm with you that that's become what I use weed for is to help me fall asleep at night because my active brain just doesn't shut off.
1: Right. Yeah. And I know like between all of my friends, I mean, I've prescribed. I'm like, okay, you need a gummy. You you need a chocolate blueberry. You need <laughs> a full vapen. pharmacist. Like, I can tell yeah. by your personality. I mean, my pharmacological my pharmacological background <laughs> is is really coming into play.
0: That's amazing. What has this been announced? What's no, that- it hasn't yet. I can't okay. announce it yet because it's okay. being trademarked. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. But that's very exciting. And yeah. I think something that is uh, really necessary because we're so quick, especially with psychiatrists, to kind of like pump pills into our system for anxiety and things like that when i think there's a much like safer um more regulated substance that people can get behind once they like you said educate themselves and aren't afraid to ask questions i think that's the biggest hurdle especially for myself is like showing weakness and being like i don't know what i'm talking about i'm afraid to ask someone else about this because i don't know and i should know but um I'm very excited for women. Weed for women. Yes. Very cool. Um, What were you most surprised about in getting into therapy? Like if you had to tell your younger self something uh, that your older self knows now, is there like one major thing since you've been doing this kind of emotional deep dive?
1: I think just like there's no shortcut through your grief or like your injury, Mm. whatever your injury was. Mm -hmm. A, there's no shortcut. So- the more you go around it and the more you deflect it, the bigger the crash is going to be when it comes. Mm. So like you have to address pain. You have to address grief. And you if you go don't, through it. it's just, it doesn't ever go away. Yeah. So the quickest way is through it, mm-hmm. not around it, I would say. And the other thing is that I for so long thought, oh, I have a TV show with my name in it. I have books, blah, blah. I have too much. It's too narcissistic yeah. to go to therapy. I don't, I wasn't raped. It wasn't that bad. Right, that you're and, like, I can't pinpoint
0: one source of trauma that could cause pain for me.
1: Right, it wasn't, it wasn't, I didn't think brother dying was enough. Mm. And the thing I would say to anybody is that your pain is enough. Mm-hmm. You deserve to de- deal with it. And you, it doesn't matter what degree of injury you have, or if your brother died, or you were molested, or or whatever the thing was. Mm-hmm. It's like, you need to sort it out in order to get to your future faster. Hmm. And the future meaning free of all that.
0: Yeah, I think that's. Yeah, I've never really heard it put that way, but that your pain is valid. Like you're, regardless of whatever level you're at or whatever experience caused it, that the way you feel is still valid. Right. Yeah, I think that's super huge. Well, on that very deep note, on not too deep, uh, we're gonna take one more quick break, and then we're gonna get back with Twitter questions. We'll be right back with more not too deep.
1: Not, not, not. not, not. Not, not, not. Not, not too deep.
0: This episode of Not Too Deep is brought to you by Bare Minerals, creators of clean beauty. Purity in formulation and uncompromising performance have always been the guiding principles of Bare Minerals because... They believe that makeup and skincare should make your skin better, not just better looking. This has been Bare Minerals' philosophy since they began the clean beauty revolution in 1995 with their best-selling original foundation, which offers creamy, lightweight, buildable coverage that's naturally luminous. The clear formula is made with only Five good-for-skin ingredients, all minerals, including non-chemical SPF protection, makeup so pure you can sleep in it, and it actually improves your skin over time. It's everything your skin needs and nothing it doesn't for bare minerals. To be clean without compromise means good-for-skin formulas with proven performance like every bare minerals product. It's 100% cruelty-free. Better yet, both the original and matte loose powder foundations are available in 30 shades. Upgrade to clean beauty products use the foundation finder at bareminerals.com to find your perfect match first-time customers will get 15% off when you use promo code not too deep that's bareminerals.com promo code not too deep for 15% off your first purchase bare minerals the power of good
1: not, not too deep.
0: This episode of Not Too Deep is brought to you by Lola. If we care about the ingredients in the food we eat and the beauty products we use, why shouldn't we feel the same way of our feminine care products? The FDA doesn't require brands to disclose a comprehensive list of ingredients in their feminine care products, so most of them don't. But Lola offers complete transparency about the ingredients found in their tampons, pads, liners, and wipes, all of which are 100% organic cotton with no added chemicals, fragrances, synthetics, or plus with Lola's customizable subscription you get to choose your mix of products mix of absorbency number of boxes and frequency of delivery and you can even change skip or cancel anytime this is an absolutely wonderful company that I never knew I needed they make it so easy and personalized for every one of you that chooses to use it it offers so many different varieties and who knew that you know The stuff that you're putting up there should be more transparent to you. And now you get 40% off all subscriptions by visiting mylola.com and enter grace40 when you subscribe. That's mylola.com and enter grace40 for 40% off all subscriptions. Okay, we're going to get into these Twitter questions before we do, I'm going to ask you the two questions. I ask every single guest that's on the podcast. And the first is, who alive or dead
1: would you most want to throw cold spaghetti at? Ah, uh, well, Donald Trump. Yeah, yeah. No, I changed that. Ivanka Trump. Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. Have we had? We
1: might have had her. I'm not totally sure. I think we've
0: had a couple people say her as of late, which is uh yeah. I would like to see that. Uh, The other question I ask every guest is tell us your worst pants shitting story or like close call, but you can only use three words or three, three small phrases. So like mine is college jogging front lawn. Okay. Yeah. Kayak Bahamas. (laughs) 6 a.m. <laughs> oh, I love when everyone has an immediate story because those are people that do not have anything in their bank. And I feel like they're AI robots infiltrating the human race. Um, OK, well, no follow up questions. 6 a.m. is uh, curious. <laughs> uh, OK, now we'll get into these Twitter questions. Someone wants to know who is the person you would most want to be stranded on a desert island with? Bob Mueller. Bob Mueller. Oh, yeah. I know you've been a physical attraction
1: to yeah, him currently. Sexually yeah, sexually, As soon as I get my hands on that report, I'll tell you if it's long-term or short-term.
0: Okay. They also want to know who would you least want to be stranded with?
1: Um, uh, oh, God. I want to come up with somebody that doesn't have anything to do with Donald Trump. Hold Ugh. on. Who would I That's- least want to be stranded with? Somebody like a... Fat white man, <laughs> you know, one of those fucking <laughs> fat guys that have like that lower area, that pussy gut that they yeah, call it yeah, on yeah, a woman. Yeah, FUPA. yeah, why is that? How does that come into I action? Don't I don't know. I and... saw. I was at the airport this weekend, and there were two men, and then they both sat with their like legs splayed wide <laughs> open, and it's like now I understand why men are so gross. I yeah. never realized that they were, and now that you know, all of our eyes are open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, you guys do think you can fucking do whatever you want. All the
0: nuances of, yeah, men just doing things that we took for granted. So any
1: fat white guy. Any fat <laughs> splayed white man. Yeah, fat or... <laughs> black guy's fine. I'm fine with them. Okay. I'm not fine with, fight with, with fat white guys.
0: Uh, Someone to know, does she feel like her dogs are human? Uh, and has she created a voice or accent for them?
1: Um, they, I don't think my dogs are human because they're really slow on the uptake for <laughs> they sure. Are, uh what's their breed again? They're chow chow mixes. Chow chow mixes, okay. So they're mostly chow, then they're part Rottweiler and part oh, some wow. other thing. But they're a real brother sister and they came with the names Bertrand and Bernice. So Bert Bertrand? Bert is his short for Bertrand. Bertrand. I can't even really say that <laughs> name. And Bernice. So when I went up to this rescue in Northern California uh-huh. and like I because she had chow mixes there yeah. and I wanted to, you know, get more dogs. Yeah she was like, oh, I have a brother and sister combo platter. Like, And I was like, uh. And she's like, and their names are Bert and Bernice. I almost like so, climaxed right there yeah. like, I was like, what? I was like, hold on a second. I looked up at the sky. I was like, oh, keep it together. <laughs> She's going to be like, actually, you seem
0: unstable. I'm not going to let you take these animals home. You seem too eager for this brother sister. Those names are perfect. I thought you named them.
1: No, I know. That's why I was like, oh, my God, that's totally a name I would give a dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've always been hoping to have a Bernice in my life.
0: (laughs) let alone a bert birch bert bert, 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 bert bert yeah exactly <laughs>
1: bert dot 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 um do you follow any dog accounts on Instagram yeah i do like d- insta dog i mean a bunch and a bunch. chow chow dog i ch- follow a lot of chow chow pages well how did you get into chow chows uh, well the first uh, rescue i had chunk right. i was told was part chow and uh-huh. for some stupid fucking reason i decided to believe them uh-huh. and he wasn't a chow and then tammy was they said was a Chow? Uh-huh. She was like thirty percent Chow. Okay. So finally, I was like, I believed I loved Chows because that's all I had, <laughs> and it wasn't until after the fact that I realized like none of my dogs were actually Chows. You guys,
0: you did a twenty three and Me for your dogs, yeah. and you found out the
1: truth. Yeah. Oh, after dang. my assistant did the twenty three and Me for himself because he thought I said go get your DNA tested. <laughs> uh, Someone wants to know how does
0: she balance feelings of anger, despair. While taking on this new role of public advocate, yet still comedian, which is kind of a heavy question. Yeah. But this is amid, you know, the current political climate.
1: Yeah, I just I think I'm I'm right now I'm not in a political mindset. I don't want to hear about who's going to run, what's yeah. going to happen. I wanted to really do something for the midterms. So, and I, as usual, I threw myself in like you know without ever thinking about it. And so I'm like kaput with politics right now. Yeah. I don't want to listen to the news. I don't give a shit. It's st- he stole a year of my life, and he's not stealing anymore. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's super fair. Um, but also to yeah,
0: you can dip in whenever you. Feel like you want to go back in, but it's a lot once you dive yeah, in. I'll
1: wait until there's an election happening, you know. Yeah. Because otherwise, every day you're just exhausted. Oh, a hundred percent. It's too much to even process. Um. Someone's
0: know what's your weirdest drug related story?
1: Mm, drug related story would be was it, was it the ayahuasca? Yeah, probably. The oh no, actually, I did another drug. The other, a uh, few weeks ago called M- M- DMT, 5-MEO-DMT, D M five o- M something like this is a frog serum. That was weird. I didn't like that for a second. <laughs> What's Some effect? woman's house, you basically just get geometric in your head. Like everything turns in. You're supposed to have an awakening. I did not. <laughs> I was, oh, I felt, and I've never had a bad experience on drugs, like ever. Yeah, I
0: haven't had a bad trip, but yeah. And
1: I was like, I don't like this. I don't like this. I had to rip off all my clothes. It's some frog serum that everybody's doing now. I know this fucking town is ridiculous, but I I do like to experience things every, you know, once. Yeah,
0: I think that, I think it's healthy to open your brain in different avenues that might be closed off, but... Um, for something to be like you have a geometric experience is very funny. <laughs> like, you just know.
1: see like geometric shapes and things whizzing by you and it's uh-huh. but it taps. there's no like there's no like emotional connection to things? Well, I think for a regular person there would have been, but I was not <laughs> I wasn't prepared for what this was. And you know what? I said I like the, I, everyone kept telling me about it and I had like a three hours in the middle of the day and texted her in the morning. So it, it was wasn't like, like a prepared
0: Oh yeah, it was a and on she's the like, whim. sure,
1: I have an opening at two. I was like, All right, great, I'll be there. Like Do you do this with a guy? Yeah, she was a girl. Yeah, she was a woman just like made me smoke this thing. And, you know, 40 minutes later, you're fine. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. But Uh, people had told me they had great epiphanies, and that did not happen for me. But I just don't think I was prepared. Would you do it again? Probably.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I just want to get to the epiphany point. Uh, But that's very funny. I think that there's... um, I think there is a benefit in just on a whim doing a drug like that and not overthinking it too much because yeah for someone else maybe that would have opened them up a little bit more (laughs) (laughs) um okay uh someone wants to know is there another talk show or insight or comedy special
1: yeah maybe not talk show i can't do another talk show but i don't know i'll do some sort of special i just don't know if it's i don't know what i'm gonna do really yeah well, I think that's
0: good. You're just kind of saying yes and going with the flow of the things that make yeah, sense you to you. Yeah, you got to get right in now. your flow state, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, Someone wants to know what's the hardest part about writing Life Will Be the Death of Me?
1: uh crying in airports like like you know having people constantly come up to me in airports asking if i was okay i'm like oh my god oh I was, because you were writing about I, sensitive yeah i'd be media. writing about my mom dying and what happened that week and like being you know and i'd just be bawling because it was so cathartic that yeah. was the thing that was the best lesson to write down your pain like whether you're me <laughs> or somebody who wants to just like write it down for you that process enough is just, like, mm-hmm. getting out some of your grief.
0: Yeah, regardless of what you do with whatever you right. write. Right. Yeah. Well, that's what they say. The artist way thing is, like, to write three pages every morning and just, like, whatever is coming yeah. to your brain um, and just get into that conditioned state of, like, when I feel things, I should put them on paper. And right. then you can figure out what to do with them later. When I start doing that, I'll get back to you.
1: Yeah,
0: I know. <laughs> uh, and then I also want to know what was the most fun part of writing the book.
1: Uh, writing all the dog chapters because they were so stupid and funny. And that's really like kind of my, you know... I just like to be really immature and I am with my dogs and the way I handle them and mm-hmm. I'm a terrible parent. You know, <laughs> they don't respect me. But well, you're it, saying they like your housekeeper more than you? Yeah, but yeah. I have a very like unhealthy because I, since I have no boundaries, I've grown up with no boundaries. Uh-huh. I, you know, I decide where the boundaries are when I decide. Sure. And usually it's way after the fact. <laughs> um, but with my dogs, it's just like, you know, I'm like, it's like the worst kind of parenting. Like I go in so hard, so hard, so hard that they just want to rebuff my advances. <laughs> (laughs) And then they, you know, I don't give them any space because I'm not there that much. Right. So when when I'm there, I'm like, hey, guys, let's go. Like, I'm your parent. Kind of not the au pair that you think is just (laughs) swinging by. Uh Um, But my cleaning lady throws it in my face. So it makes it hard for me to not want to prove her wrong because she knows (laughs) they respect her more. Yeah, She feeds them and she plays with them. I'm not going to go throw a tennis ball in my backyard. (laughs) Like, I just can't.
0: You want them to be smart enough to understand that I'm. (laughs) I want them to learn
1: how to fucking throw a tennis ball themselves is what I'd like and then start to play catch that would be a great with each other that'd be great (laughs) that'd be a great special for Netflix Uh,
0: someone wants to know what's the best hangover cure to Excedrin
1: yeah yeah Excedrin is the best medicine for hangovers really it's got caffeine
0: okay I didn't know that yeah Um, a lot of people are asking this similar type of question biggest thing she discovered about herself during her year of therapy that she didn't know before
1: that I had no empathy.
0: Oh, really? That was Mm. something that you, that your psychiatrist told you that you really didn't think of before?
1: It never occurred to me. I thought sympathy, like, oh, I'm sympathetic. He's like, it's not the same thing. Empathy is actually not being sympathetic and doing nice things for people in need or whomever it's, or understanding them. it's, empathy is actually really thinking about what it's like to be that person. And that doesn't ever enter my mind. I would just always be like, oh, why doesn't everybody do it this way? Why does everybody do that? Why isn't everybody as interested in this as I am? Like I didn't have any uh, capacity. And so him telling me that I lacked it was a huge, obviously, wake-up call. And I was like, oh, thank you. That makes sense. Yeah. Like it makes total sense. And once you realize what you're missing, it's able to start to look out for it and to kind of build that muscle and go, okay, let me think about what it's like to be that person who's in the hospital instead of just showing up repeatedly, 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 bringing them food, trying to like Mm -hmm. ameliorate the situation, actually thinking about what that person is under is, is going through is something that I was lacking. Interesting.
0: Um, but that, yeah, that is a muscle that you have to work on. Like, I think everyone has to work yeah. on and understand and, like, recognize that because I think people do think sympathy and empathy are the exact, the exact same thing, that they're two sides of the same coin when they're a little bit different. Um, Someone to know, how does she keep herself moving forward? Um, what keeps her from saying, okay, this is a safe space to stop right now? say that again what keeps you moving forward what how what keeps you from saying to yourself okay this is a safe spot to stop in terms of like creative making shows doing documentaries that sort of thing
1: I think, I think you just know, you know, you know, in your instinctively if something is right for you or if it's wrong yeah and you, it's about sharpening that skill and, and knowing like, okay, this is you, first of all, you know, you have growing is evolving and and motion and moving, but not in the alacrity, you know, that you're going to miss everything. I think listening to your gut mm-hmm. is something that we, you know, I think you it's a lesson you think you learn and then you've can do it again and you don't listen to your gut and you have to learn the fucking lesson again. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's like... You know, as long as you're in a space of like positivity and optimism and hopefulness and generosity of spirit, and when you're having a conversation to be paying really close attention to the other person, you're going to know, you're going to be so grounded and in touch with everything. You're going to know when it's time to move on and when it's time to, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're out of your flow state, as they say, like on Oprah's Super Soul, um, (laughs) which I have listened to, you know, like it's so true. It's like, you know, we all know when we're in the wrong situation Mm -hmm. and we try to either convince ourselves that you know of whatever or we try and just put that noise that's you know press it or
0: admit or and are too afraid to admit that this is not right right now yeah 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 i think creatively and even in like it maps over relationship status stuff too that like when you're in a bad relationship with your work or with a significant other sometimes it's extremely hard to admit it to yourself and so you keep convincing yourself that maybe this is okay or you repress that you even have to think about that side of things at yeah. all. Um, but I think that's really helpful, especially for like women in the entertainment industry, the idea of like, how do I move forward? Eh, and how do I like listen to my instincts as much? And I think there's more space for women to do that now more than ever. Yeah. Um, and you're one of those people cur- like uh, paving the way for that. Someone to know what are you currently
1: obsessed with? Um, do you watch TV? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I watch Tin Star. I'm watching Tin Star right now on, on Amazon Prime. It's with Tim Roth. It's good. It's all sorts of fucked up. Uh yeah, I watch TV. I'm not obsessed. I don't really obsess about things. Yeah. Mm, I can't think mind. of anything. Maybe my dogs. <laughs> it sounds like mm, it. that doesn't sound healthy. Uh
0: biggest fear obstacle you had to overcome to get where you are?
1: Uh I don't I my biggest fear obstacle. You know, public speaking is hard. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Are I just, you nervous
0: about this tour because it's not stand up, because it's more no, casual? I'm, no,
1: I feel less, I feel no nerves because I know that conversation is just the easiest thing in the world. And yeah. that's where I feel, and it does, and it matches what's in the book. Yeah. You know, the book doesn't call for on. a stand up tour mm-hmm. about death because although it's there's a lot of funny subject matters that go along with death, it's like, you know, I think that it matches the kind of tour I'm doing. Yeah. So, uh, but I, yeah, yeah, I had a fear of public speaking. I just had to push, 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 push through it. I still don't like it. I still have people think it's easy for a public person who makes. But yeah, I have highs and lows. I mean, I'm in a good spot right now where I feel like I have something to say. Yeah. I think the public speaking when you don't have something to say is what starts to it's grate painful. on one's nerves.
0: Yeah, 100% because you feel like a fraud.
1: Yeah. What just, gives
0: me the right to stand up in front of these people and say something that I don't even know what I'm saying right now. Yeah. Like a point of view, like you said with writing this book, write a book when you have something to say, when you have something to put out there. Um Okay, last question. Um, Who in the industry do you fangirl over? Um,
1: Fangirl over. Or not even in the the industry. It can just be in the world. Oh, God. I don't know. Fangirl. Or has there
0: been anyone that you've wanted to do an interview with or talk to that you haven't done yet? I'm sure you get this question a million times a day, but.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't have a good answer for any of that stuff. I'm sorry. No, no worries. I mean, these are the kinds of questions. Okay. Here's my
0: other question for you. You go on press tour, you do all these things, you do a million interviews. You're going to talk about yourself in this story, 10,000 times a day, all day long for like the next few weeks. What's the question you hate getting asked the most? (laughs)
1: <laughs> Who's the person you want to interview the perfect. Perfect. <laughs>
0: well, we've reached the end of the podcast. Time to date. go. Uh, before you go, everyone that makes time to be on Not Ooh. Too Deep, we give them a personalized fortune cookie for being here. So this is for you. You can open it and read what the innards have to say. I love fortune. Uh, it's, um, you know, they're questionable fortune cookies. What do you mean? They're like astrology. <laughs>
1: yeah. I got... Oh my God, this is going to be so good. Excuse me <laughs> while well, I just chew for all of your listeners. Make sure you don't edit this part out. No, not at all. Ivanka Trump will one day use your name as one of her female empowered role models and and you will get a burning sensation in your anus when it happens. If you've already been feeling it lately, that's what it is. Yeah. Oh, wow. What a fortune. What a time to be alive. such an non-traditional fortune it's yeah. like almost a paragraph it's yeah we give full novels out
0: um we just want to make sure that you know how to read is what we do at the end of the podcast i'm going to take this home and tape it to my refrigerator <laughs> but Chelsea your uh, your book life will be the death of me is out now
1: where can people go buy it see you on tour you can go to livenation.com for tickets to my tour i'll be coming to 20 cities around the country and you can buy the book on any of, at any of your local booksellers on at randomhouse.com, Barnes & Noble, blah, 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 Amazon, anything you want. Awesome. Thank you again for being here. This was super fun. Thank you. I'm oh. so excited for your tour and so excited for people to read
0: this book. I think it'll resonate with a lot of beautiful souls. Um, and you're just at Chelsea Handler across all social media? Yes. Sweet. Okay, we'll see you guys next time on another episode of Not Too Deep. Goodbye. Too deep. Too deep. Too deep. Not, Not too deep. deep. Not too deep. It was Grace Helbig? Again, this episode of Not Too Deep is brought to you by Bare Minerals, the creators of clean beauty. Bare Minerals is driven by the philosophy that makeup and skincare should make your skin better, not just better looking. That's why their best-selling original foundation is made with only five ingredients, all minerals. For Bare Minerals, to be clean without compromise means good for skin formulas with proven performance. Upgrade to clean beauty products. Use the foundation finder at bareminerals.com. To find your perfect match, first-time customers will get 15% off when you use the promo code not too Deep. Bare Minerals, the power of good. Not Too Deep is a production of Grace Helbig Incorporated, producer and edited by Melissa D. Mons, writing by Diane Kang, post-production sound by Christopher Bell, and an extra special thanks to Flula for the theme music. Too deep, too deep, too deep, too deep. not too not deep, deep. is Grace Helbig.